Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to be back up here. Before I begin, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, may we believe what you say and love what you love. Was there sweeter words that can come from one's lips than, I love you? A lot of the time, the expression is effortless. It just pours out of us like a flood. It overflows. It causes a reaction and we might find ourselves doing things that we might not normally do. It can increase our energy and motivation and sometimes we just want to burst into song. Well, speaking of love songs, do you know about 60% of all songs are about love? Well, I have some trivia for you. I have 12 snippets of some songs. I want you to guess the title and the artist. Phil's going to press play. And... Wow. The Beatles? No. John Bon Jovi? Taylor Swift, you got that one. Stevie Wonder, did you get that one? Lionel Richie? I think you got them all, except for Hadaway. What is love? Well, a popular expression in response to someone saying, I love you, is, I love you too. What about, I love you more, or I love you to the moon and back? That's cute. (laughs) I would do anything for love. Our human condition learns love from a very young age, from observation, experience, and comparison. We measure love. I love you this much. In human standards, I think we have a good idea. When it comes to God and love and the love he has for us, can we measure it? Where does love come from and how did we ever know how to love? We're going to see that the main point of this passage is love. God's love for us and our response to his love. In fact, the Apostle John speaks of love more than any other writer in the New Testament. And in the verses that were read out in 1 John, he mentions love 27 times. It's possible that John is emphasising love and that we might need some help in this area. (laughs) He urges us to love one another and if we have relationship with God, we will love each other more and more. All love comes from God and genuine love is never self-generated by us. Verse 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. 
Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So love is not one of God's attributes or part of his qualities, but rather it's his essence or the source of his nature. We all experience love at some stage and think we might be experts on the subject. Those who are married probably have a bit better idea. But in reality, without God sending his son into the world so that we might live through him, we wouldn't have any idea. I looked love up in the dictionary and found some definitions. It said, a strong feeling of affection and sexual attraction for someone. Affectionate greetings conveyed to someone on one's behalf. A great interest and pleasure in something. Or a personified figure of love, often represented as Cupid. What does the Bible have to say about love? Well, it gives us a definition. It says in verse 10, if you've got it open there, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So there's this idea of our love and God's love. So it's like vertical and then horizontal is our love for our neighbours. God's love does not forget about our wrongdoings and pretend that everything is okay. We're not cool with God. It doesn't sweep our brokenness under the carpet. It's all about dealing with our brokenness. See, we ignore God and as a result, we're disconnected and our brokenness is revealed. But God doesn't want to leave us broken. He wants to restore us. He can't ignore our sin and wrongdoing, so he sends his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We need to understand, though, that atonement is the action of making amends for wrong or injury, and in our case, sin. This great act of sacrificial love is done so that we can know the love of God our Father. Can we as humans grasp the magnitude of such great love? How much does this impact and change the way we view the love of God and the love that he has for us? Well, great love requires great sacrifice, and sacrificial love can transform people and communities. Our tendency tends to be towards disconnection. We don't want to be vulnerable with people. We spend a lot of time and energy pretending that everything's okay when it's not. We're afraid of real relationships, yet our hearts, they cry out for them. Being vulnerable with our brothers and sisters doesn't sound appealing, but it is a good thing. It's important to be real with each other, allow ourselves to go deeper than any facade we put up or barrier, and truly one love one another. But more importantly, we need to be real with our Father in heaven. Be vulnerable with God. There is no escaping or hiding from God. He knows us too well. So talk openly with him. We can't go on pretending that everything's okay, but all the more, confess our sins and ask that God will soften and change our hearts to be imitators of his love and the love that he has for us. But God's love isn't dependent on whether we love God back. Verse 10, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. So maybe you can relate to this example. So when you were younger, or maybe still today, if you like someone... You might get a friend to ask their friend if they like you. And if they say no, then suddenly, I don't think I like them anymore. Or what about if someone tells you so-and-so likes you? You might suddenly think, hmm, I think I like them too. Just imagine if this was the same with God. 
Wayne briefly mentioned the five love languages in his sermon from 1 John 3, titled Genuine Love. Each person gives and receives love in a certain language, and speaking it will strengthen that relationship. If we're serious about obeying God and following his commands, then working on parts of our life where we are struggling or could improve is vital. Five Love Languages is from a book by Gary Chapman, and he lists the five quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, and receiving gifts. I'm just going to explain what each one of those means. So in quality time, nothing says I love you like full, undivided attention. Being there for this type of person is critical, but really being there, with the TV off, fork and knife down, and all chores and tasks on standby. This makes you feel truly special and loved. And there's physical touch. A person whose primary love language is physical touch is not, surprising, sorry, is not surprisingly very touchy. Not in a sexual way, but with hugs, pats on the back, and thoughtful touches on the arm. They can all be ways to show excitement, concern, care, and love. Physical presence or a timely hug can communicate this love language well. Words of affirmation. Actions don't always speak louder than words. Hearing the words, I love you, are important, but hearing the reasons behind the love is even more effective. You thrive on hearing kind and encouraging words that build you up. Acts of service. Anything you do to ease the burden of responsibilities weighing on someone will speak volumes. The words he or she most wants to hear is, let me do that for you. When others serve you out of love, and not obligation, you feel truly valued and loved. And receiving gifts. Don't mistake this love language for materialism. The receiver of gifts thrive on the love, thoughtfulness, and effort behind the gift. Gifts are heartfelt symbols to you from someone else's love and affection for you. So it's helpful to work out and realise what the different love languages are. And you can even do a quiz at fivelovelanguages.com to work out what might be your primary love language. This could be very helpful in obeying God's command of loving our brothers and sisters better. Well, earlier in 1 John 2, 4, 6, if you've got it there, uh, chapter 2, verses 4 to 6, it says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So to live as Jesus did, we must obey his teachings and follow his example of complete obedience to God and loving service to people. What's mentioned again in our passage tonight, emphasising love being made complete, verses 17 and 18. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So another way of saying this is if we truly love others and live as Christ did in this world, we won't be worried about the day of judgment. A real love for others will chase away the worries. The thought of being punished is what makes us afraid. It shows us that we haven't really learnt to love. And if we continue to grow in our love for God and perfecting that love, we will grow in confidence. 
towards God. We will have a healthy fear of God, not a tormenting fear. So kind of more like a son who respects his father, but not like a criminal who cringes before a judge. A believer who fears the day of judgment and fear of punishment hasn't truly experienced the perfect love of God. Well, what do we do if we end up having fear? Does our view of God change? Well, David Short, who is a minister at the church in Vancouver, Canada, where I worshipped at, sums this up very well. He says, Because we don't know how to love perfectly, there is fear in our lives. Fear has to do with punishment. To overcome the fear, we conjure up a false confidence and change God's image with a cut-and-paste job on the scriptures, removing all the things from God that we consider as negative and replace his wrath with disapproval and his love with tolerance, tailor-making a God who doesn't make us feel uncomfortable. In verse 19, it says, We love because he first loved us. So if we love God, we will love one another, And if we love one another, we'll grow in love for God. So if an an immature Christian is not growing in his love for God, they may find themselves trying to impress others with spirituality or good works. They make themselves out to be a liar and profess to something that is sort of really practicing, but rather playing a role instead of living a life. We're commanded to love God and our brothers and sisters. And this should remind us of the two greatest commandments, which was read earlier in Matthew 22. said, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. I'm going to say a prayer now. I'm going to say it slowly, and if you'd like to join with me in your heart, and then say amen at the end. Lord, I haven't always loved my brother and sisters as I ought. I acknowledge that I need your help. Thank you that you love me so much that you sent your one and only son into the world that I might live through him. Please help me to obey your command and increase my love for mankind. Amen.